question. Uh, what is your coping mechanism when you're suffering? When life's unfair, or maybe you've been treated badly, what do you do to make yourself feel better? Do you patiently endure your pain by entrusting yourself to God? Or do you self-medicate with sin? Do you retaliate or fight back or indulge a little bit of your dark side? This is the fifth sermon now in a series going through the first letter of the Apostle Peter. And in the first three sermons, the wonderful message we heard is that we who belong to Jesus are precious to God and chosen by him to be his royal priesthood, his living temple and his holy nation. But belonging to God makes us strangers in this world. In God's kingdom, there will be no sin and no suffering. But in this world, we face all kinds of trials and temptations. And that's why Peter wrote this letter, to remind us that we are God's holy people and to help us know how to live as holy people until the day Jesus returns. And what Peter wants us to know in this part of the letter is that there are two ways to respond to the suffering and pain and injustices we all face. One way is to patiently endure them by entrusting ourselves to the care and the justice of God. The other way is to comfort ourselves by giving in to our sinful desires. Last week when Peter was preaching to us, he began by looking at verse 11 of chapter two. This is the part of the letter where Peter begins to tell us how to live. And if you, have a, you can have a look down at chapter two, verse 11 with me, page 1218. Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Did you know your sinful desires are doing that? Your sinful desires are waging war against your soul. Just like Russia is waging war against Ukraine, trying to dominate and colonize it. Your own sinful desires are waging war in you to take control, to make you live like a citizen of the world and not like a citizen of God's holy nation. Our sinful desires, right, they tell us that suffering is so hard and injustice is so unfair that we deserve to be able to give in to a little bit of sin. We can't be expected to be so holy when life is so hard. So when the Roman Emperor Nero started burning Christians alive, what should the Christians have done? Our sinful desires say, oh, hate him, rebel against him, curse him. But then Peter says in chapter 2, verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority. Not only will that keep Christians from sin, but it also brings glory to God. Or when your slave master beats you or docks your wages for no reason, what should you do? Sabotage his business? Poison his food? Refuse to do work? That's what you want to do. It's a perfect opportunity for your sinful desires to gain further control. But Peter says in verse 18, submit yourself to harsh masters with all respect. In other words, be like Jesus, 
when he was unjustly condemned and led out to be crucified, he didn't retaliate. He entrusted himself to God, the just judge, who will put all these wrongs right in the end. That's the only way to win the war against sin. Endure suffering. Entrust yourself to your loving Father, the just judge. Give no room to sinful desires. And having shown us how to be godly citizens and godly slaves, or for us perhaps employees, Peter now teaches us how to be godly husbands and wives and godly members of our church. So first we'll look at husbands and wives. This is chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And then we'll think about being a godly church in uh, verses 8 to the end of the reading. So first, uh, wives and husbands. Have a look with me at chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, just like he's been saying about employees and uh, with the government, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now, if you're a feminist, this verse might be one of those that makes the Bible seem out of date or out of touch. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. But it's important to see uh, what Peter's really saying here, what matters to him. He's not telling husbands to dominate or subjugate their wives, certainly. He's encouraging wives to be submissive, knowing that often they won't feel like it. Just like Christians might not feel like respecting oppressive governments, or you might not feel like respecting a manager at work. Wives might not feel like respecting their husbands, especially if their husbands don't share their faith in Jesus. How many women out there are stuck, or maybe, maybe in here, not a comment on anybody, I'm just saying, how many women out there are stuck with useless men who do nothing around the house, do nothing to support their wife or their children? Seriously. I mean, you could hardly blame a wife who moaned and argued with a husband like that. But Peter would be concerned for her because it's never safe to let sin get hold of you like that. So if you're a married woman here at St. Bridget's, or maybe you're thinking about getting married, if your husband is a pain in the neck, or, or worse, there's a real danger that your sinful desires will take that as an opportunity to get you to sin in retaliation, or to sin as a way of coping. You can become maybe bitter, maybe passive aggressive, or maybe start drinking, maybe texting another man. But if you respond to sin with sin, you're losing the war for your soul. And God doesn't want that. Peter knows that for you to remain pure and godly, you're gonna to need to endure your husband's sins. Not just by gritting your teeth, but by entrusting yourself to God daily and remembering the example of Jesus. This isn't so that you can be a doormat. This is about being strong. But Peter's not just concerned for Christian wives. He's also concerned for Christian wives, non-Christian husbands. That might be your situation. What an opportunity they've got to hear the good news about Jesus and see the difference he makes in life every single day of your married life. But only if the wife commends Jesus to her husband by the beautiful way she lives. 
If a Christian wife, and it's easy to do this, gives in to her sinful desires as a way of coping with pain and pressure in the marriage, she's always arguing or undermining her husband, he's not exactly going to be wowed by Jesus. His wife might be beautiful on the outside, but what makes the difference is how beautiful she is on the inside. So in verse 3, Peter mentions doing your hair, wearing jewellery, having expensive clothes. All of that gives you your outer beauty. But he says true beauty, verse 4, true beauty is the inner beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, and it's of great worth in God's sight. What God prizes is the beauty of entrusting yourself to him and living with his peace in your heart instead of self-medicating with sin. And here's Peter's hope. By encouraging this inner beauty of submissive endurance, his hope is that Christian wives will both save themselves from sin and be the salvation of many unbelieving husbands. But now what about, what about husbands? Uh, last week I had uh, breakfast at the Hilton Hotel in Belfast. It's something called the Belfast Business Leaders Prayer Breakfast. And I was sat next to the minister of All Saints Church in Belfast. So I told him, that's the church I got married in. And the minister there at the time made sure that Rebecca and I uh, did an excellent marriage preparation course leading up to our wedding. So that was 10 years ago now. I've forgotten a lot of what was said at that course. But these verses from 1 Peter are a good reminder of something very important. Look down with me at verse 7. Husbands. Paying attention. Husbands. In the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Peter says a man's wife is just as much an heir of eternal life as he is. They are equals in God's sight. Nevertheless, Peter knows that in most marriages, they are unequal in terms of strength. Not mental strength or emotional strength, but physical strength. He's just told wives to be submissive. So now he tells us husbands to be considerate and treat our wives with respect. Peter knows the damage that men can do. Bullies, bullies never pick on people their own size, do they? Strength is something a bully respects. What they disrespect is relative weakness. And usually wives are physically weaker. So husbands, respecting our wives means we must not be bullies at home. Let me say just a second about domestic abuse. Domestic abuse is it's not only illegal, it's also wrong in the eyes of God, our judge, and damaging to the reputation of Jesus and to anyone who suffers it. So if anyone here, seriously, if anyone here, young or old, female or male, or anyone who listens to this online, if anyone is experiencing abusive treatment from someone at home, please come and speak to me as soon as possible. If you don't want to speak to me, you can go on our website, go to the safeguarding section, and in there we've got phone numbers for all the sorts of charities you might need to be able to, you might need to call to get the help that you need. Men, we must not be violent or scary or harsh. Peter says, respect your wife. 
In God's eyes, you are equals. You are not better than your wife. God does not respect you more. He does not love you more than your wife. It takes great inner strength to be submissive. Submissive to you. So love and respect your wife the way God does as your equal. Otherwise, says Peter, it will hinder your prayers. Just like he doesn't want the suffering of a, a wife to lead her into sin, Peter doesn't want the husband to sin and damage his relationship with God. Because that's what sin does. It will hinder your prayers. It will build a wall between you and God. Not a wall you're on the inside of, a wall you're on the outside of. So don't let it. Don't let your sinful desires war against you and defeat you. Love and respect your wife. And wives, love and respect your husbands. That was a word for wives and husbands. Now Peter wants us to think about how we live together as a church family. Family at home, the family of the church. This is verses 8 to 12. Have a look down with me at verse 8. Peter writes, Finally, all of you, so everyone he's addressing in the letter, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult, but with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. God has boundless blessings for you to inherit, but your sinful desires are waging war against your soul to try to cut you off from that inheritance. And they do it by exploiting your suffering, by exploiting you when you feel hurt. That's when it gets the better of you. Now, sometimes in church, people will treat you badly. They might, maybe they'd insult you. Maybe you overhear your name being mentioned and what's being said isn't very flattering. Maybe someone accuses your child of doing something they didn't do. Maybe you pay someone in church to do a job for you and once you've paid for it, you feel a little bit like you've just been ripped off. There are all kinds of ways in which people in church can hurt one another. Those are just a few examples I've given. You'll have all had your own experiences one way or another. And what our sinful desires says is, is pay them back. They insulted you. Make sure you insult them. In other words, let's have a war. But that is bad for the church and it is bad for you. It doesn't put things right. It makes everything worse. What did Jesus do? He, he put up with unfair treatment. He didn't retaliate. He endured it. And he did it by entrusting himself to his loving Father because he knew God can see what's happening to us. God knows when you've been badly treated. And God is the judge who also knows how to fix everything and put everything right. So you don't need to retaliate. God will sort everything out. And we're all here to support one another too. And so Peter tells us, don't repay evil with evil. Instead, repay evil with blessing. We crucified Jesus. He offered us forgiveness and eternal life. Let's be like that to those who hurt us. Let's repay their evil with a blessing. Peter tells us to do that by being sympathetic, compassionate, and humble. That means, that means remembering that everyone has good days and bad days. That most people would be kinder if they received a little bit more love and that things often look different once we've taken the time to listen and understand where someone is coming from. Now I know that this isn't easy. I like to think um, I'm an immensely patient and, uh, and that I'm able to cope with fairly bad treatment from people. 
but in a previous church, um, I experienced immense pressure to deal with one situation by resorting to sin. There was one person who I would describe as manipulative and bullying in my church. Someone who smiled to your face, but schemed against you behind your back. And I really wanted to get my own back, or retaliate, or shout at him, or insult him, especially in front of everyone else who felt like I did. Get one back. It felt like the absolute right thing to do. And I know the result would have been carnage, but I was basically beyond the point of caring, or almost. Thankfully, I was well supported by other friends in the church, and I managed to remain mostly calm and humble and to forgive the person in my heart. It was bad enough that sometimes you know, it comes back to me and I have to forgive them all over again. To be honest, I think if I hadn't been a staff member at that church, right, you're a bit more on display. Everyone will know what you've done if you do something wrong. If I hadn't been a staff member, I'm not sure I would have ended up being quite so restrained. So each one of us, we need to decide in advance that even when we're treated badly, we will remain humble and compassionate and patient. It's the only way to escape the trap of sin and win the war for our souls. And it will protect our church as well from division and from bitterness and keep us united and joyful. So whoever causes you to suffer, whether it's the government, whether it's your boss, whether it's your spouse, whether it's a Christian brother or sister, your sinful desires want to exploit that suffering. Don't let them. Fix your eyes on Jesus and follow his example. Remember the cross. Entrust yourself to God like he did and ask him to help you to be a blessing. As Peter says, quoting from Psalm 34, and we'll finish with this. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his life from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eye of the Lord is on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you that you see everything that goes on in our lives. You know when we hurt. You know when we've been caused pain. You know that sin is waging a war in us. And we pray by your Holy Spirit that you'd lift our eyes to see Jesus on the cross, enduring suffering because of the joy set before him. And help us with your great and gracious strength to do the same not to repay evil with evil, but to those who hurt us, to be a blessing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.